I've got good news today. After a few years of bad news in the music industry, there have been many musicians who have lately told me that they're gigging more than ever. Now, here comes Terry Courier, who runs Music Millennium, with similar good news, and he'll tell us all about it. It's always good to sit down and talk with Terry. He's been an immensely valuable member of the Oregon music industry for decades. Coming up, Thursday, March 16, Music Millennium will celebrate its 54th anniversary. There's nothing quite like browsing in a record store, is there? Welcome back, Terry Courier. The red light is on. You know what that means? It means we're rolling. Uh, hello, Terry. How you doing, Tom? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess I'm all right. I don't know. It's hard to tell from day to day. Welcome to winter. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really. Uh, I, I, I missed it. Is it doing anything? <laughs> well, it was snowing today for a little while. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, who knows? I was. I heard someplace. Like back east, it was like, like freezing one day and and eight and eighty the next. What is that about? Oh, the, the whole country is a mess on the weather scale. Yeah. Um, well, this is not the weather report. Although I like weather reports. <laughs> well, maybe you'd be more accurate than most of the weather reports. <laughs> yeah, just call me Joe Zawinul. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's it's nice. It's been a long time since uh, since uh, we, I've seen you. And uh, I'm glad to see you again. Welcome to Artichoke Music. Yes, love this space. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's very nice. Um, and uh, how's the record store business? Record store business is pretty great. Really? Um, it we're doing much better than we did pre-pandemic. Wow. Um, we were able to survive the pandemic, though it was very scary there, especially that first year. Yeah. Um, during that time, a lot of people got into going to the record store hmm. because they didn't have a lot of other entertainment options. They couldn't go to movies. They couldn't go to live music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a lot of home time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people came to the record store and a lot of new faces for the first time. Wow. Younger generation, you know, uh-huh. that 12 to 18 year old. Um, buying CDs, but in particular, buying vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> our business right now is the strongest it's been since the 1990s, right before uh, digital downloading mm-hmm. became an issue. I thought people, I, I, cause, but all you hear is that people have stopped uh, using CDs and stopped using vinyl and all that, but uh, you, it's great to hear that you're doing well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one thing that happened when digital downloading happened Mm -hmm. was that the youth audience quit going to record stores altogether. Mm -hmm. They just downloaded music, shared it with each other, and that's the way it was. Yeah. So we lost that younger customer base, Mm -hmm. which has always been a big part of the record industry. Sure. um, Consumer base, and our older customers were either downsizing Mm -hmm. or passing away yeah and so our audience kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and then in 2007 Mm -hmm. the three coalitions got together across the country 
um, and put together this what, 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 what are the three coalitions? Um, I started the first coalition in mm -hmm. the country. It was called the Coalition of Independent Music Stores in 1995. Mm -hmm. And we did it as a support group mm -hmm. for record stores in non-competitive markets, mm -hmm. hoping that these stores would share their trade secrets mm -hmm. and uh, success stories with other stores to make them all better. Mm. And out of that, everybody wanted to be in our coalition. Uh -huh. And we could only manage so many stores mm -hmm. and keep in tabs with everybody. Yeah. So another coalition started, and then after that, another coalition started. Wow. And uh, so this guy from Bull Moose up in New England, mm -hmm. he came up with this concept. Why don't we do something like the comic book stores do and they have a special mm. day mm -hmm. so we went to the record industry and said why don't you give us some compelling vinyl mm -hmm. to sell on this special day and being that most of their accounts and especially the big box retailers and mm -hmm. the national chain didn't really care about vinyl because nobody was carrying it mm -hmm. except us independent record stores they said yes mm. and they came up with 50 titles that they gave us that year. Mm -hmm. And we hired a national publicist to tell two things. Mm -hmm. One is, this record store day is going to happen and there's going to be these 50 titles. Mm -hmm. But the other thing was, because the media had painted a picture that record stores were either gone or on their way out, yeah. we told this story <coughs> that, hey, wait a minute, everybody. Yeah. There's still 1,800 record stores in America, uh -huh. and guess what? They're, they carry records. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at it on a graph from that point going forward, uh -huh. that's when the vinyl renaissance really started to take place. Uh -huh. I, now, I understand that, that uh, for a while there, there was an, uh, a, a lack of vinyl or a lack of vinyl production. Is that, is that, is that straighten itself out? Um. There has been a big production problem because yeah. most of the equipment that people were using to manufacture vinyl when that vinyl renaissance started was old equipment mm -hmm. from the 60s, 70s, mm -hmm. and 80s. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there wasn't a manufacturer for new equipment, so you had to find old equipment, mm -hmm. fix it up, wow. and get that working. And there was only so so much of that mm -hmm. sitting out there in the world. Mm -hmm. um, they're now making new equipment. Mm. Um, new plants are are popping up and are scheduled to pop up over the next two years. Huh. Uh, the basic time wait two years ago was 10 to 12 months. Wow from the moment you put your order into a manufacturing plant uh -huh. till the time that you could receive your goods. Wow. So like if you were a new artist and your record label predicted that you could sell a couple thousand pieces of vinyl yeah. and you got all this press around the world and uh -huh. you became you know, popular, yeah. that 2,000 pieces of vinyl, once they were gone, you had to wait back in line until Jeez. more product came back in, wow. which really stifled the momentum yeah. of 
being able to grow your mm-hmm. your band by selling that product in the store or selling it at your shows. Huh. Huh. Boy, so it's, but it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. I just got off a ninety-minute Zoom presentation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on this committee called the Physical Business Action Committee, and we got Music Biz, which is the trade association for the industry to put on this 90-minute presentation today. And there was some final manufacturers on there on one of the three panels Mm -hmm. that were presented. And they said it's about four months, five months right now. Hmm. That's a great improvement. Yeah, that's, that's a great improvement. Originally, back... Um, before vinyl just took off like crazy, mm-hmm. you could your turnaround time was eight weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that, mm-hmm. but I really think we can get it down to three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Who would have thought? <laughs> no, I mean it's it. You know, somebody would have asked me this, and yeah. The, in the mid two thousands, I I could have never predicted this. Right, right. Well, you got a big day coming up. Was is it fifty two or fifty four? Fifty four. Fifty four years. Jeez. Fourth anniversary. Well, you're not even fifty four years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't start working in a record store until nineteen seventy two. Ah. So I just you were a ba- just a baby. Year mark myself. Fifty really? Yeah. 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 Wow. But Music Millennium started in 1969. Yeah. Um, yeah. At three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> on March 15th, the Ides of March, you know, you had hippies involved in coming up with this whole thing, and it had to open at a certain time. <laughs> Why is that? That's because well, it's the, you know, the, 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 the Ides the, of the March. The sun and the stars. The, and everything it's, has it's, to the Ides. Up it's the Ides right. of March, right? Yeah. Isn't it the Ides of March? Ides of March. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the first song that was ever played in the store was yes. It's All Too Much by the Beatles. <laughs> and on the 15th at 3 o'clock, we will play It's All Too Much. Um, we'll reprise it at yeah. 6 o'clock that night. And we'll have um, anniversary cake and beverages for anybody that shows up. And we were able to secure... A great band from Australia to really? do a special performance that night at huh. six o'clock. The Church. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. So we're we're looking forward to that. We're going to have. We've got about ten live performances scheduled for this month, which is wow. the most we've done yeah. since pre-COVID times. Yeah. Um, everybody's feeling a lot more comfortable with uh-huh. doing it, yeah. both uh, locally. And the national touring artist, um, but you know, as I seen at the jazz festival last week, you know, a lot of artists that are traveling are still being very, very cautious yeah. uh, about yeah. COVID because they can't afford to get sick. There's not yeah. a substitute that they can necessarily call in at yeah, the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. You know, you, you may not, you may not, you you, you won't probably at this point. If everybody's vaccinated, you won't die from it generally. Yes. But it still sucks. <laughs> it does. It does. It, you know, I don't ever, 
I don't know if we'll ever see a time in our life where things are back to that pre-COVID kind of life. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. I know I had COVID and I didn't die. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. So what the fuck? <laughs> um, so uh, wh- when you're having all these activities, are, are you, you running the show? I mean, are, are, yeah. Are you? Yeah. Does, is, it, is it still fun? Oh, I, I love it. I, I work six days a week from uh-huh. 7 a.m. in the morning till 7 o'clock at night. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's not quite like the old days. I mean, yeah. there was funner days in the record industry. Yes. <laughs> um, there was a time uh, that the record industry took care of you in a very good way. Yeah. You know, free concert tickets. Yeah. Uh, multiple copies. Absolutely. Uh, promotional CDs and vinyl yep. for, so you could play it in your store and yeah. you could give a few to your staff. We don't see any of those kind of things anymore yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but it's the same with with uh, people in, in in the media. Yeah. You know. Um, but the one thing is, I I I look forward to every week. It's like Christmas to me every week because there's yes. new records coming yes. out every single Friday. Yeah, when I back when I was uh, I, I was doing a TV show in uh, Maryland Public TV, uh, it was called the Critics Place, and I was the, the the jazz and pop critic on that on that show, and I got everything. It was amazing. It was it, every day. It was like Christmas, absolutely, and still is for me because you know that people don't send out like they used to. You know, you can get things because you can just get them digitally, and that's that's okay. I mean, yeah. I understand that. And I'll get a good, I'll get a few things in the mail. I tell you, the independent labels still get it. I mean, a certain amount of uh-huh. them do get it. Uh-huh. Um, oh, you're oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, they're they're hungry out there, and they they know that if they give you the music to listen to, you might get excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, really, uh, or not. That's the other part. Or of it. not. Yeah, there <laughs> is that that other thing. But if they don't send it. How are you going to get excited about it? Right. Or how, how, or how will you know it sucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? There are a fair amount of those, too. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I still get, a, I still get like, you know, 80, 80 to 100 emails a day. Yeah. You know, I mean, even though we're, you know, OMN is still there. We're still going. It's not, you know, we, 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 haven't, we, we haven't come back all the way. No. Uh, but, um, and who knows if we will? But we may, you know. I mean, I always, I always think that you, I always say that you're never too old to have a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's still true, but it might be true. Let me ask you this: I know you and I know how familiar and how wonderful it is to go through a, 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 a LPs in a bin. Oh, it's it's an There's amazing nothing like thing. it. It must be really fun for you to, to to see these younger younger people discover how great it is to flip through LPs in a, in a in a bin. What's the most surprising thing to me about the younger generation buying mm-hmm. vinyl right now is what they're buying. Hmm. Um, most of them, they're buying contemporary things. Yeah, but. They're also buying records that are 40, 50 years old. Uh-huh. And I tried to equate it to myself when I started working in a record store in 72 when uh-huh. I was 17 years old. Uh-huh. How many people were listening to records from the 20s and 30s Nobody. at that time? 
The Bonzo Dog Band was. That's it. <laughs> they were, and I was listening to the Bonzo Dog Band. And me so too. So that got me into some <laughs> me of that too, kind me of too, stuff. Me too. Me too. They were the only band I think. There may have been other bands, but they're they're the only band I I ever knew that had a a song about taking a shit. <laughs> the Strain was on the final Bonzo Dog Band album. Oh man. Written by Vivian Stanchel. <laughs> No, uh, I never got to see Vivian. I did get no. to see Neil Ennis. When he was here at, oh, at Doug yeah. Fur, yeah. I was there that night. I got to interview him with a thrill. You know, he was one of my heroes. You know, I mean, I, I think I, I favored Vivian because it was, he was so weird. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, matter of fact, I put a, I put a, I put a, a Vivian Stanchel song in my radio show a couple weeks ago. Oh man, which one was that? Uh, uh it was actually it was it was it was uh, he, it, something he put out after the Bonzo stopped. It was called Yelp something oh, bellow and it was yeah yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. <laughs> what a strange man. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole and I, and I found that documentary on him. As Stephen Fry in it and Neil Ennis, but but uh, it was great. You know, it was wonderful seeing Neil Innes at Doug Fur that time. wonder what's going to happen to the new Doug Fur. They're moving to where Montage was, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. going to be interesting. It's, it's kind of down. You know, I, back in the 70s down there yeah. was one of the best music clubs in town. Oh, yeah. What was it called? I wasn't here then. Well, I don't remember either. Right now. And then and then they tried to open it up about 10, 10 15, about 15 years ago they tried to reopen it up for, as, as a club and it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. It was it was down close to Produce Row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know it was a Euphoria famous Euphoria Tavern. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean Ray Cooter played there. Uh-huh. Leon Redbone, Leon Dave Redbone. Yeah, I mean Redbone. it just went on and on and on. Yeah. And it was just a great room to see music. I actually met my wife in that room. Really? Wow. We are. Huh? As of this Sunday, we'll have been married 41 years from wow. that. Wow. It's your anniversary? Yeah. Congratulations. We met at a Doug and the Slugs show. <laughs> <laughs> Doug and the Slugs, huh? They were a Canadian band. And I was really into the band, and I had all these Play-Doh and clay <laughs> slugs that I had made for all the members of the band oh, that geez. I was going to give to them that night. And she saw them all on the table, and she was fascinated with them. So at the end of the night, I go, you know, give me your phone number. I'll, I'll make you a custom slug. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I've never been seduced by a slug before. <laughs> Jeez, I th- you know I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say Doug Clark and his hot nuts. Oh, uh, that's a good <laughs> band too. Oh man, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I know about that club. I don't, of course, I wasn't, I, I, I hadn't arrived on these shores quite yet, but um, yeah. So that area, you know, it, yeah. it has a history of music. And of course, Produce Road was you know, the Ron Steen Jam was you know for yeah. a million years. And they had an they had a all age club down in that. I remember. Area. I remember. Um, and, uh, so it, it it has music history down there, and that's yeah. where they also do uh, the Portland 
Um, Something or another. Pop Fest. <laughs> oh, right, PDX Pop. PDX Pop. Right, right. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see how that goes. Now, I know hmm. that at one point, Mike Quinn, who owns that, mm -hmm. uh, was talking about a, like a, a 2,000 seater down that in huh. that area, huh. but I never saw that materialize. Huh. I always liked how Montage would wrap up the 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 the, the, the leftovers from the meal, and uh, they'd make a they'd make a bird out of uh, aluminum, aluminum foil. foil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Montage was really cool. You know, I missed that place, and it was open yeah. late too. So absolutely, you know, after a show, you could yeah. go there. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to us! Oh my God! And then, then and then in the in the nineteen twenties, we went to hear Rudy Valley. <laughs> well, the landscape has changed in this town. Yeah, I mean, luckily most of our venues survived COVID era. Yeah, um, thank you, Jim Brunberg. Yeah, Jim Brunberg from Mississippi Studios. Uh, he really spearheaded getting the ability to get some relief money yeah from the government right. for a number of these clubs oh yeah so they could stay open we had him on this podcast a lot during that period of time uh, he's a good guy he is a great guy yeah. he really is you know he's one of the one of the stars to tell you the truth plus he's a pretty good musician yes he is <laughs> him and ben, him and ben you know their they're, they're band ben Landsberg. Yeah. um so okay so um do you you, you get out to hear music very much anymore I do. Yeah. Um, I I saw eight shows at the Jazz Festival last week. Wow. Uh, I saw Bruce Springsteen on Saturday night. How was that? Uh, I was way up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> but the show and band was outstanding. Yeah. But um, you had to watch it on the screen, huh? Yeah. yeah. I try to see as much live music as I can. Um, uh, it's... It, what drives me to live every day is music, music, music. I understand. And live music, I don't know how many times I've, I've seen shows in my life, but I know just even in our store since 1989 when we mm -hmm. started hosting live music in the store, yeah. we've done over 4,500 live music appearances in store. Yeah. I loved it when you were recording them and we would run them on on the on the on the on Oregon Music News. I wonder if we could do that again. We should look into that. We should, we I think really so. Should. That was I think people really liked that. I forget why we stopped doing it. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Are you still recording them? Uh, we just got a new recorder yesterday. Well, we you know the COVID era, we weren't doing it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So we missed a couple of years on that. Well, let's see um, if we can do that. I mean, even if it's only the local bands, you know? You know, because of us recording those things, Yeah. in November, worldwide, Joe Strummer Live at Music Millennium 1999 came out on vinyl. Wow. Jeez. That was a pretty special thing. Yeah, I met him one time. He was the uh, the Clash, not the Clash. Uh, what was this band? Uh, Clash. Yeah, they they uh, they had Bo Diddley opening for for them, and I did. Oh a, yeah, they I, were a big fan. I did a TV story on for you know before I moved here. I did a TV story on Bo Diddley. Wow. And uh, you know, there's a current. I think it was a current issue of 
Mojo Magazine or Shindig, uh-huh. there's a picture of Strummer and Bo Diddley together. At I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, who wrote the, oh, Kim, Kim, what's his name? The harmonica player, just, I, his name escapes me. He had a, a book out on Billy Boy Arnold. Came out in the past year. Great book. Just a great, great book. And t- tells the whole story of how how uh, uh, the Bo Diddley, how uh, how the, the tune Bo Diddley got recorded and Billy Boy Arnold was on it and uh, you know and how Bo Diddley wrote I'm a Man and nobody re- nobody realizes that and uh, all that kind of stuff. Great stuff. Just all great right. stuff. And he was, uh, he had interviewed him. He was a very old man, still living, and but had, with, with a perfect memory, unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> Your memory's still pretty sharp. I don't know about that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, God, I can't remember his name. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, sorry, Kim. <laughs> Kim's been here at the uh, did the podcast. Um, but it's a great book, Billy Boy Arnold, a great Chicago um, blues harmonica player and friend of Ellis McDaniel's. Yeah, <laughs> Bo Diddley's real name. Um, and and uh, I believe. Uh, um, that that Billy the legend goes that Billy Boy Arnold convinced the Chess Brothers to 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 name uh, Ellis McDaniel's Bo Diddley. Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't know that fact. Well, you know, it's just you, it's, it's nice to know some history. Yeah, you know, it really is. Uh, and uh, so that that book on Billy Boy Arnold is going to set set a lot of things straight. I think. Yeah, it's a great book. You should you should you should look at it. I I I carried it. Oh, did you? Kim, Kim Fields came Fields, in that's who I'm talking about. Yeah. Kim Fields, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. I can't think of things. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, what is your day like these days? Uh, I spend most of my day up in an office. Yeah. Uh, Been there. You know. Filled uh, with things. My favorite part of the job was always being on the floor and talking to customers about music all yeah, day. Yeah. But when you own a business, you right. have to deal with all the behind the scenes thing. Yeah. I do all the ordering for the company still. Wow. Um, you know, but I've got to deal with personnel and you yeah. know, payroll and insurance issues and right. all those things that make up doing business mm-hmm. out of a record store. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting up there getting a hold of artists and going, Hey, how would you like to play our store when you come through? Nice. Um, and that's exciting. I mean, when, when I can get a hold of an artist that I'm a real big fan of and they come play my store, I mean, yeah, (laughs) I I can't tell you what it was like, you know, or the calls you get out of the blue. Uh Hey. Would you like to have Mal Waldron play in your store? <laughs> and I'm sitting there. Go, the the last guy who played piano with Billy Holiday. You bet. You bet it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's really great. Um, uh, do you have a certain um, time set aside to just to listen? You know, I don't get the listening time at home anymore that uh, I used to. Uh, but I'm listening to music all day long oh yeah. in the office. Uh-huh. Um, it, my wife has Alzheimer's, so oh when oh I geez. get home, 
I have a lot of other things that I have to to deal with. Um, But uh, so my listening time at home is is minimal. But I can tell you from the moment I get to work until the moment I leave, (laughs) there's music on all day long. (laughs) What's the last thing you listened to before you came here or when when you were on the way? You remember? Oh, what was the last thing I listened to today? Um, To tell the truth, I was listening <laughs> to some Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, which one? Um, Are You Experienced? Oh, man. Um, I I got a call to put together uh, the music mm-hmm. for the fireworks display down at the Waterfront Blues Festival. Nice. And I'm going to go in and kind of record everything next week, and I'm trying <laughs> to find the right pieces to go in the right place ah, and, you uh, know so so hopefully it'll be a great experience for the people that hear it <laughs> <laughs> um have you ever been experienced well i have <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um yeah uh you know you it's 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 you gotta have it you just gotta have it you know in your life it's just, it's just you know, of course it's everything there for you Oh yeah. yeah, it's my it's my total motivator every yeah, day. Yeah, is, yeah, is the yeah. music. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, without music, I don't know what I would do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Really, the, you know, the the, the the this podcast, Oregon Music News, and and and, and the KMHD show, the things that have kept me going. You know, I don't know what I'd uh, what what I would do if I didn't have that radio show. Do you remember the first record that you ever bought? I know the first record I wanted. I, I, and I couldn't make my parents understand because I was that little. I couldn't make them understand what I wanted. It turns out they finally figured it out, and I wanted the 12th Street Rag by Pee Wee Hunt, wow. which was a big tune when I was three years old. It was a, like number one on the charts when I was three years old, and I wanted that so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I wanted. How about you? Uh, the first two albums I ever bought, because I grew up not listening to the radio or records. Wow. And the the first two records I bought um, were were only in it for the money <laughs> and cruising with yeah. Ruben in the Jets because <laughs> I played music, but I. I didn't have time to listen to radio uh-huh. or listen to records. Uh-huh. I, I either practiced all day long or I was out in the outdoors. Practice what? Uh, I played reed instruments. Did I started you? off with clarinet. Uh-huh. I played bassoon, oboe, wow. bass clarinet. Do you have any instruments still? I still have a clarinet. Do you ever play it? I don't. I bring it out once in a while and I go, ouch. Those embouchure muscles that oh, I yeah. used to have yeah. aren't there anymore in oh, my geez. mouth, so it's a little bit hard. Um, I was going to go to college on music scholarships. Really? And it was when I was 16, I decided I was going to get a motorcycle. <laughs> and after nine months of rain, snow, sleet, and ice, <laughs> I decided, you know, I'm going to get a car. And the car had a radio in it. Ah. And Radio was pretty great back then. Yeah. And uh, three months later, 
uh, it inspired me to go see my first show, which was <laughs> Leon Russell and the Shelter People. Wow. And two weeks after that, I applied for a job in a record store. <laughs> I wonder if Claudia Lanier was backing, doing, doing backing vocals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was spectacular. I was, that was a young boy's dream was Claudia. Absolutely. Um, I finally got to meet her. I did too. I got to meet her down at the the blues festival. Ah, she she yeah. performed down there with Bobby Torres. Well, he brought her into Jimmy Max a few years before. Yeah, I got to, I got the interviewer and got a hug. <laughs> uh, you know, she she still has a really really strong voice. Oh God, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brown sugar. Yeah, they wrote brown she they wrote brown sugar for her. Yeah, Mick Jagger. <laughs> yeah. And her were an item for a little and while. And Bowie also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Claudia on air. I've just played uh, uh, on, on my show. I just played her version of um, an Alan Toussaint song. Uh, I can't remember. But I played it anyway. Cause she, had, she only made one album. Yeah, there was just yeah. that one yeah. album. Was that Warner yeah. Brothers or Reprise? I forget. One, one of the two. She she reminds me of is uh, Shirley Nanette. She reminds me of yeah. Shirley Nanette. Yeah. Now, Shirley's, you know, one of those great local talents. Oh, God, yeah. Sometimes you shake your head and go, she should have made it. Absolutely should have made it. You know, yeah. we have a few of those people in our community. And, you know, as we know with the success in music, it's not always the talent. Sometimes right. it's luck. And yep. sometimes it's the people that you're surrounded with that... Yep make those connections that make it possible for you to escalate your career. Yep. Yep. She was terrific. Boy. She used to call me at the station because she liked my show. And I was so I was always like really, really happy to, to hear from her because she was really great. She You're really lucky. Was. She never called me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you were on the radio. You might have. <laughs> now, the first album I ever bought was Dance to Quarter to Three by U.S. Bonds. Wow. I was totally hung up on that whole Norfolk sound. You know, Frank Guida and all his, all his yeah. you know, uh, uh, Daddy G. And, and uh, I mean, the guy, the singer, you, you know, uh, Gary, what's his, Aaron Anderson, who was U.S. Bond, he didn't really do that much. No. <laughs> it was all Frank Guida. It's a really inter interesting story. I always wanted to write a book about that, that scene, but I never did. Because it was an interesting scene uh, in Norfolk with uh, Frank Guida, who had who had been a calypso singer in New York. <laughs> I I think you you need to write an article. <laughs> I, I think you could post it on Oregon Music News. I could, I could. I would rather sell it to Mojo, however. <laughs> uh, that would be great. Yeah, because it was a you know, and, and I've I've heard interviews with with uh, with with Gary Anderson, Gary U.S. Bonds. And he didn't, he just was he was he wasn't any it was a bad interview and Frank Guida's I actually found Frank Guida online one time about 20 years ago at, at the dawn of the, at the dawn of time uh, and I, I, I sent him an email saying is Frank Guida still alive and he sent me an email back saying God damn yes I am there was nothing like those. You know, of course, Springsteen was an enormous Gary U.S. Bonds fan. Yeah, and because uh, it was, they were they were unique. Those recordings were unique because they were all they were so bad, they just sounded <laughs> like you were at a party. Yes, it, that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really bad recordings too. Because he he moved to, 
I don't, I don't know what the story is. See, the thing is about that story that, that I don't know is that, like, was he chased out of New York by the mob? <laughs> it's quite possible. Yeah, it's quite, quite yeah, very, yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, possible, yeah. very possible. <laughs> that, that would be a good deduction. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he was, uh, he had those, those Calypso records, those, those soul Calypso records. Yeah. Long before there was anything called Soka. Soka is going to come and gone, but... Uh, back then, you know, um, uh, Matilda, he did, he, Jimmy Soul, those Jimmy Soul uh, uh, records. Um, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. That was that was all Frank Guida stuff because he yeah. was a, he was a calypso singer. And then he he opened a record store in Norfolk and up the street from a from a gospel church. And that was that, you know, I mean, uh, he recruited all the, the, the band from there. And it's a great story. <laughs> maybe someday you should write it someday someday maybe i will <laughs> um well geez uh it, it's great to hear that the store is doing so well i'm so happy to hear that you know oh, I, and I, you I know I, I think i think everybody else who, who, who listens to this are going to be just as happy because you if anybody deserves it it's you i mean we had some days where i could especially back in the middle 2000s yeah where I actually stood in front of the store one day and I go, well, if we can't continue to be a record store in the future, yeah, this might be a good pub yep. Um, yep. with a music motif uh -huh. where we could tell stories about, oh, remember when we used to go record shopping? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's, there's, there's such a great thing about vinyl. I mean, you know, there's, there's debates on whether vinyl sounds better, CDs sound better. I've always felt vinyl sound better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's more of an experience there. And I think people treat vinyl more like art because you have the 12 by 12 mm -hmm. cover art image. Yep. You have uh, a better chance to read your liner notes. Yes. Um, yeah. I would get a reissue on cd with a nice 18 page booklet uh -huh. in there yeah and the type would be so small yes. that i would get to about page 10 and i'd sit it down and yeah. go, you know, i can't i can't yeah. finish this people actually used to pay me to write liner notes <laughs> <laughs> but you know i'd sit down with a piece of vinyl and i know people a lot of people do this and you you put the record on you sit there with the cover right you you learn who the producer is and the mm -hmm. engineers mm -hmm. and who the guest artists are. Um, if there's a lyric sheet in there, you know, you get the lyrics down right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's all it's a, it's a great it's great to hear all this stuff. You know, it really is. It's very encouraging, and I'm sure it's encouraging for a lot of people who are listening uh, to 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 know that the things are going as well as they are. You know, because you know, I mean. Uh, could have gone either way. Oh, it, it could have. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of people that, oh, I can remember first people coming to me and going, you better watch out. This place called Amazon oh. is <laughs> going to put you guys out of business. I can remember a time when uh, the TV shopping networks were on TV. Yeah. And it goes, oh, yeah, uh, people are just going to stay home. They're going to just shop on TV. They're not going to buy from you. <laughs> And then there, you know, there was digital downloading. Yeah. And you know, it was like there was a a lot of different reasons why people 
didn't need to come down uh-huh. to our record store. Yeah. Uh, I could have debated with them and told them otherwise, yeah. but, yeah. you know, it's the way things went. And now they're coming back. And the one thing great about vinyl is that a lot of parents and grandparents became very cool because uh-huh. they had yes they had record collections right. or record players. Right. Some of them might have been using them, but a lot of them had them in their basements. And these kids were discovering them. goes, hey, can we take a look at your records? Yeah. And I think it's been a generation gap mm-hmm. builder. Um, I see more kids and their parents, mm-hmm. kids and their grandparents in the store. And actually, it shows. I mean, at Bruce Springsteen the other night, I mean, I can't tell you how many younger kids in mm-hmm. their teens mm-hmm. were with their parents. That's amazing. Um, yeah. It was great I remember, uh, I have, I still have 78s that were my great-grandmothers. Wow. Do you have a 78 player? Uh, no. Uh, Unfortunately. But I remember, you know, stuff that, the crazy stuff, like the Peerless Quartet doing Bounce Me John, I've Got Rubber Heels On. <laughs> <laughs> Hip Hooray, Fly Away. Really. Great, great stuff like that, you know. Uh, and for, and somehow they they ended up not getting broken. Many of them. Yeah, seventy eights are very brittle. Yeah, um, yeah. I busted a couple of. They were very Collectible ones that I. Oh, just did ran. you? Oh, it's, uh, it's like this. That's like, it's like uh, uh, Woody Allen and the cocaine sneezing and, and blowing the cocaine away, <laughs> and breaking a seventy eight. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen. Thanks for coming by. I know you're real. You're real busy. I know you got to get back, and I just really appreciate you coming Good to by. Good talk to you. Again. Spending the time. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Great. Well, uh, so everybody's going to come down on 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 the on the fifty fourth anniversary. It's going to be a great cake. Yeah. It's, I always have a joy in ordering the cake for the <laughs> anniversary. Uh, I go to Helen Bernhardt's Bakery, uh-huh. and you know you get to pick the filling, you get to pick the icing, you get to pick what kind of cake you want, and so I got two cakes, so we could have two different flavors, you know. That's great. Well, all right, and as we like to end these things by saying, that's entertainment. <laughs>